welcome to this week's edition of Black and White Commentaries. I am Will. <laughs> I am Lee. <laughs> and uh, we have Chuck with us today. But unfortunately, Chuck um, is mute. He lost his tongue in the Battle of Jakku. Oh. <laughs> Hi, I'm Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, Jakku. I'm not pronouncing things right today. Um, Clearly. Yeah. So um, today we're All actually right, going to... Will, so what are we doing? <laughs> All right, it's pretty obvious who, who everybody is here. So we're going to actually talk yeah. about The Mandalorian right now, because this show just seems like it's it's really awesome. <laughs> uh, so mm-hmm. uh, we want to talk about Chapter 1 and Chapter 2, because we did miss a week, and we want to make sure that we're up to date with things. So, I mean, let's start right now and, and say... Um, the cast so far is great. We see a lot of cameos that are popping up. And in the first episode alone, um, we get Pedro Pascal, which, um, I mean, you don't really see him, but those who know that he's in it are excited because he's from Game of Thrones. Um, Horatio Hopefully Sands. Hopefully he doesn't get his head caved in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Horatio Sands pops up. I, I always thought he was hilarious, so it was great to see him in there as that Mithral. Uh, Nick Nolte, mm-hmm. Carl Weathers, um, and we'll, I'm sure we're going to see a ton of other people as we go on. Uh, so it was just really good to see a good cast. And obviously, um, uh, what's his name there? Taika Watiti, uh, the guy who uh, directed Ragnarok, pops up uh, yeah. in this so far. And, well, in the second episode. But we have this all being run by uh, John Favreau, who did the first two Iron Man movies, um, who did uh, The Lion King, The Jungle Book, the new uh, Disney quote-unquote live action, even though nothing's live except for, you know, one little boy in red britches. But right. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, let's just let's just let's just take a minute and say that we are not worthy of <laughs> John Favreau. Yeah. Because. <laughs> I mean, just to, to be the person to usher in the MCU and now to be the person to usher in this new Star Wars universe thing that we're embarking on, uh, kudos. Oh, yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah. What a, what, a, what a career he's had. I mean, he's come a long way since, you know, those really campy early 2000 movies that he was in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, well he's, he's been in movies for a long time, actually, since the, uh, the mid-90s. Um, first thing I saw him in was Made. Actually, him and Vince Vaughn were like a like a duo, like a team. yeah. That's what I'm talking about. He was in a lot of different movies with Vince Vaughn, and they were just. I mean, I'm sure that we laughed at them when we were teenagers, but now we look back on them and just you know cringe. He had a small role on Friends too back in the '90s. Yeah. See, I was never a fan of Friends. I never, I never watched Friends, yeah, so I would me neither. <laughs> well, look at it this way: John Favreau is the savior of Disney. He is to Disney as Peter Jackson is to Lord of the Rings. Well, I think that Jerry Bruckheimer with um, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, that really brought Disney into a new realm of like what they could possibly do. They're not just making like these kids' movies, these animated things, but really making like more of a grittier um, live-action movie that can really appeal to a massive like audience compared to others. And then from that, Favreau, I think the big thing for Favreau is he came in Favreau, Favreau, however you want to pronounce his name. I don't know, I don't know where the <laughs> I don't know where the the emphasis is on his name, but I've heard um, it both ways. Favreau, yeah. Favreau. I've heard of, I've heard it pronounced yeah. both three ways. syllables, two syllables. Um, Favreau, Favreau, um, whatever. However he likes it. Apparently, Willem William Def, or Willem Dafoe, 
Uh, there's a video of him pronouncing his name as William Defoe when he was like 17. So, yeah, and it's really funny uh, of, of because he was like arguing about it. But well, you just look at his face and you automatically realize that this person has no idea what they're talking no, about. No, no. <laughs> so, um, I think the big thing is he took superhero movies to a different direction. And that's what kind of set off the MCU. Um, like, I feel like S- Spider-Man, you know, the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans, Spider-Men, if you will, um, were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man 2, phenomenal. But still, they were really goofy superhero feeling, you know. And even like the X-Men. Tropey. Um, they were what? Very tropey for superhero movies. Big time. I mean, this is before anything MCU. I mean, we're still... I mean, up until that point, the best thing that we had ever seen in, in anything superhero-esque was, you know, Burton, Batman, like, that was, like, pinnacle. And then you get to, you know, Sam Raimi, and it's like, it, it, it like, like to what you said, it does feel a lot like, you know, same vein as X-Men, like, they were very campy at the time in the early 2000s, I feel like. Big time. <sighs> well, I, I really, like... I can sit there and, and go off on Iron Man forever, but honestly, I really want to talk about the Mandalorian. So let's get into Mandalorian now. So we kind of get this 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 whole thing starts off. We kind of get that it's post Empire, so it's after the Empire went down, but before the New Order. We get that feel as the as the show kind of goes on, and we yeah. get this real Western feel, you know, which I think was the the goal of the original, um, like New Hope was supposed to feel like a space Western in a way, you know. And mm-hmm. right off the bat, you see this guy introduced. He's walking through whatever. Then we see, like, a saloon, and he shows up in the front in a space saloon and has this epic bar fight, just or, or we'll say classic bar fight, just like you would see in any Western or anything else like that. Like, this is pretty cool. Very spaghetti Western, very Clint Eastwood. Big time. And it's it's just, it's great. Very, it was tastefully done where it's not like totally brutal, like blood, guts, this and things bashing or whatever, but it was like, you knew what was happening, but you're like, this guy is really cool. I want to see what he's got going on. No, and even when it should be, you know, a little bit over the top, it sticks, it's still very right. Star Wars. I mean, we see a guy get bisected in the door <laughs> and there's... No blood, no guts. Very exactly. classic. Uh, guy dies exactly. in Star Wars. This is what it is. It's not over the top. It Perfect. it was very well done. Um, I was surprised with the way that this thing opens because normally, you know, Star Wars movies or Star Wars anything in general doesn't open up like that. I mean, when you look at the movies and even when you looked at Rebels, they were very slow burns mm. to get you going. You know, in New Hope, Empire, etc. This catches you right off the bat where you are introduced to this character and you immediately know this Mm -hmm. is the man. Like there's no there's no messing around when this character is going to be on screen and everything that he does. And I love the way that they did that. It was great. The way this thing opens immediately captivated me. Thoughts, Chuck? Well, I'll say when I watched it, when they walk into the bar scene, what it felt like to me is you could almost have the feeling of if you looked into the right corner or a corner of the bar, you could almost sense as if Han Solo was sitting there. <laughs> yeah, it had, you know? it had a real good feel. <laughs> yeah, kind of. you in that. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely what I appre- agree. What I appreciate the most is they they did this show as if episodes one, two, and three were never created. 
they left <laughs> out the feel of that and brought in the originality of what Lucas did in four or five and six. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's a real good thing. I get I get a more episode four vibe than, than right. either of the other two though. Like it doesn't feel like Empire, it doesn't feel like Jedi, it feels like right. New Hope and you know, by some extension, it mm-hmm. feels like Rogue One. Just the atmosphere and the way that the camera angles are and the filters that they're using, that's right. what it feels like to me anyways. Definitely. So we get these characters that are introduced. We get this, you know, this bar guy who's picking on somebody and whatever, this picking on this mithril, and he gets upset. You knocked over my drink, whatever. And, he's, and he says something. This really, it bugged me because it took away the mystique of the the most offensive curse word in the Star Wars universe was destroyed here. So if you recall, um, when C-3PO, when, when the whole gang was um, in Cloud City on Bespin, C-3PO sees another protocol droid and says, oh, look, it's nice to see a familiar face. And the droid looks at him and goes, Ichuta, and then walks, and walks away and he goes, oh, how rude. So we hear this character here say, Ichuta, Mando. And it's and they use subtitles explaining he just said hey Mando, and I was like, really? So all that protocol droid said to him was hey, <laughs> that's so lame. <laughs> it actually really bugged me. I mean, I'm 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 actually sure that if you go, did you actually go back? to Empire and watch that scene to figure out what he said. Oh, it's totally the, the same, same thing. thing. Like I that's one of my my most memorable okay. lines from that movie and I checked it again just to see and and I'm not the only person who says the exact same thing I just said. The internet was in an uproar about it apparently. <laughs> unless unless it was one of the 6 million forms of communication that C3PO did not understand. And that's why he said how rude because he was saying <laughs> something he didn't get. It's like it was oh, a misinterpretation. Oh, nice he just goes, "Hey." And he goes, "Oh, that's rude." All he said was, "Hey." <laughs> okay, so we get through that, but yeah, it definitely feels it, it feels like an old school Star Wars film, and that's what's awesome about it. It's got that grit, you know, that it's not slow, but it's not like here's a bunch of CG and goofiness in your face, you know? And that's why, you know, even Rogue One had that feel, too. And that's what kept made Rogue One such a great film. But, okay, so he goes out there, gets his bounty, which is basically a Mithral played by Horatio Sands. And I think the character's annoying, and that's the point. And I thought Sands pulled it off greatly. And definitely watching it after realizing mm-hmm. it was Horatio Sands made it so much funnier to me because all I could see was him, <laughs> like right through the makeup. Um. So he gets him, goes outside. He sees a Kubaz out there. Uh, the last time we saw a Kubaz, uh, he was basically uh, reaching out to the Empire and A New Hope and telling them that they were escaping on the Millennium Falcon with Han Solo. So we see him. He was the guy who had the hood on his head, and he was basically telling the stormtroopers where they were. So it's kind of cool to see him. I, I like that mm-hmm. they're bringing back all the old characters. Um, even if, or not, not characters per se, but species. So it's not like they're making up new things. Right. Not no, yet. Not yet. As much. <laughs> not yet. They're not, they're not making up new new species or new characters right. or anything like that yeah. yet. We'll get there. So the Kubaz is out there. He's directing cabs. Um, gets on there. We see, I keep forgetting that guy's name. He's a comedian. You know, he's driving this land speeder. 
Uh, you kind of get the idea that uh, this Mandalorian hates droids. Okay. But the cool thing about it, they get on the ship, um, and the guy's trying to sneak out, and he starts talking about Life Day, which I thought was awesome because it's a reference back to the holiday special where their their holiday season is all about Life Day. You know, basically not Christmas, but that's what they're getting at, you know. So that was a cool little nod to adding that into canon. All right. Mm -hmm. Um, We see more carbonite, which just kind of makes sense that it just became a thing after successfully thawing out Solo. Uh, You see a lot of characters. I got something to say about the carbonite. Okay, so you say that it's successfully or it's just just kind of a thing now since they successfully thawed Solo. Solo, Solo, whatever. How long after... How long after the Empire fell is this taking place? I don't know. I've heard theories of five years. Okay. Five years? That's what I've heard five online. Five years seems... But I don't know if it's actually true or not. <clears throat> okay, well, regardless, let's run with that because it'll it'll tie into something that I want to bring up later in, in this particular episode. <coughs> so five years. Five years doesn't seem like a whole lot of time for this technology to just go viral enough to be, you know, just randomly on board some guy's ship. Yeah. But then again, here's the... Uh, there's a few other thoughts I've got. But we'll we'll get into that maybe in episode two. And they um, mobilized it too. I mean, it was a huge contraption on the Cloud City. Yeah. And now it's in this small little thing on a small ship. Exactly. Right. It's massive on Cloud City, and now it's like you said, Chuck said, it's mobilized now. And I'm I'm inclined to agree with the five year theory because I mean, it, we'll get to it later. But we have. Like these rogue, like last remnant stormtroopers that are all dirtied mm-hmm. up. They look like they've been through right. hell, you know. Like they, like they just got out of battle. We have, you know, a, a an imperial general, yeah, some uh, kind of officer, c- commander, yeah. whatever you want to call him. It doesn't seem like it's been that long. No. No, it's. I'm just saying. I don't have a. I. I'm, and I'm not saying this because I have a problem with it. It's just something. It's just something weird that I notice. Like, and I'm wondering, is this Disney doing their own thing, or is this something in a book that we're not privy to right now? Because I don't know much about the extended universe. Right. I think I'll be the first person to. Admit so, that. from what I've heard from a friend of mine who has read a lot of the books, at one point I asked him a question. Um, I asked him a random question. I'm not going to get into it now. Um, but he started talking about the Mandalorians and explaining different things about, like, Beskar Steel and this and that. And I'm like, oh, cool. And this was probably, like, 15, 16 years ago I had this conversation with him. And I'm like, oh, there's actually, mm-hmm. like, a whole story about Mandalorians? Cool. So I'm pretty sure they've taken a lot of this Mandalorian history, this, you know, um, religion as we find out later on that that's basically what the mandalorians are is they're a religious group that basically worship armor and weapons so i i i'm really interested in hearing more about that uh the big thing that we have to remember is that although Django fett and boba fett wore mandalorian armor they weren't necessarily mandalorians we don't really know anything about them we might hear references to them at some point in this series. I seem to remember I seem to remember at least one other character in Empire that was dressed up like in that armor. Mm. 
in Empire? When there are, uh, w- w- yeah. Hmm. It was a scene where uh, Vader was sending out a bunch of bounty hunters to. Right. And for, you saw, you saw uh, Bosk, you saw IG 88. You saw the toilet paper head you guy. You saw, and but there was there was another <laughs> there was another character, or maybe it's in maybe it's in one of the uh, the newer editions that's been all advanced and Lucasized and whatnot. But there, I swear, there was another character there that was dressed up exactly like Boba Fett, hmm. but just it was different colors. And I was like, "Ooh, that's interesting." Yeah, wasn't it the bounty hunter in Attack of the Clones that was a going after? Well, that wasn't a Mandalorian. At least not not Mandalorian armor, but yeah, that was a bounty hunter. But that was one of those. Um, that wasn't that Jango Fett. What's that? Wasn't that Jango? No, Fett? I think he's referring to the one in the beginning that was going after Padme, like the very beginning of Episode Two. That was completely different armor. Well, yeah, completely different armor, but that was a. And that was like a, that was like a shape shift. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Else and a change length. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm interested in seeing where it goes. I can make guesses all I want. But I'm really excited to see all of these backstories start to come into the works and the way that they're doing mm-hmm. it. Like, I understand that it kind of takes away from some of the, the mystique of some of these things. But I always thought the Mandalorian stuff had to be really cool, like had to have some kind of real cool story behind it. And I'm glad that we're getting to it now. Right. Like I, When I first heard about this, I was like, eh, I'm not really interested. But I heard John Favreau was behind it. And I'm like, OK, <laughs> So that poses a question I have that Will just brought up. Is going forward, is this gonna is Disney gonna allow Favreau to do his own thing with it? Or are they going to Disneyize it mm. and ruin it in I a think way? Fav- I think I think Favreau is slated to be uh the showrunner for at least the first season. Yeah. I mean, I really can't see Disney going outside of that wheelhouse for right now. Maybe if this show like explodes and then you know, all of a sudden, then it'll become more uh, like serialized television. Well, you'll have, you know, this producer and director team come in to do a season A, B or whatever it is. And then it'll just turn into Walking Dead. Like, I right. mean, well, look, look what they did with having what's the Russo brothers who were involved and stuff. And then like Paul Fagg, who basically did the whole MCU. OK, so Kevin Feige oh, is yeah. the Kevin anomaly Feige. here because he is he's the main brain behind everything in MCU. I think that's going to be somewhat the same case here. That's what I'm kind of guessing. With um with John Favreau, I think he's just going to be the showrunner. I mean, you're going to have different people coming in to do you know for directorial purposes, but you know, for right now John Favreau is the man. I I don't see that going anywhere. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I haven't read about, you know, anybody else coming in or any kind of displeasure. So there's no reason why he wouldn't stick around for the entirety of it. Yeah, me too. <sighs> so I like that we see the Trandoshans. We see the Jawas. You know, we get to see um, mm-hmm. basically <laughs> the Kowakian monkey lizards. You know, Salacious Crumb from uh, from Jedi, the little yeah. <laughs> guy from, <laughs> from Jabba's Palace. <laughs> yeah, we see, uh-huh. we see one of them. Little monkey lizards being roasted in front of another one who's just like looking sad, and you start to feel bad. You're like, oh, I, you know, I always hated that guy before, but now I feel bad for this one who's just watching his friend be roasted like two feet from his face. Yeah, but yeah. that is is that a throwback to uh, Jedi though? When you have droids roasting droids? Oh, I guess so. Ooh, mm. the trash can droid. Yeah, I didn't That's think about that. That's a I really guess, good point. Yeah. Wow. 
you know, droids with emotions. Yeah, that's it. What? Yeah, that's actually a pretty. That's a cool little Easter egg that yeah. I didn't catch on. Um, droids with oh, emotions. C three PO has emotions. The droid who's the trash can droid who's getting his feet like oh, roasted. Yeah. He's crying <laughs> in the film. Oh yeah. <laughs> he's screaming. He's like a screaming. lobster. <laughs> so anyway, um, we find out like the big thing about Beskar steel. You know, it's it's like traditional for Mandalorians. It's part of this whole religion thing is Beskar is like hard to find. We find out that it was like part of the purge. Um, big deal there. So he wants to so he goes to bring it to this, um, you know, the the armor armor maker. And her her response is saying like, oh, thank you so much for bringing this. The excess will sponsor many foundlings. And then he talks about how he was once a foundling. We have a bunch of cutbacks to see like um, refugees basically running away from Imperial battle droids. I only say Imperial battle droids because you have to literally stop it and pause it. And you can see the outline of remember those big droids from like episode one, episode two that um basically looked like uh, the robot from the uh, Lost in Space movie, the one with William Hurt, like the big goofy one. I, I don't know how else to explain these <laughs> these battle droids, but they were like the big guard droids. You can see a shadow of one of them in the back, so mm-hmm. it's like, okay, so the Empire basically came down and took out all these Mandalorians. And they say foundling, I'm just assuming it's like these kids who were left without a family and were brought into it, and they're trying to slowly rebuild this Mandalorian faith. That's my opinion. So then it's ironic that he's being Hmm. hired by an Imperial general then. Which is exactly why, after my third viewing of this episode now, I looked at it, I'm just like, why is he such a jerk to this empirical guy? And it's like, oh, well, because the Empire killed his whole family, and it's... It's where it's why he's where he is now. So, I mean, you can look at it like that if you want to. Another way to look at it is he walked into the room ready to do business, and it's kind of shady. Well, yeah, it's in a way. Shady. I mean, they're they're not they're not offering him the resources that he would normally require to go do right. a job like this. He asks for a puck. There's no puck. He wants some kind of registration number. They can only provide him with the last four. <laughs> It's not, it doesn't seem like a job that's on the up and up that's to his liking. So you can look at it that oh, way yeah. too. It just doesn't have to be, oh, he he killed my entire family. Yeah, like, that was my no. first idea. And from what I know, and from what I know about the Mandalorian is it isn't so much like a race or a group of people living in one central location. It's more of a, hey, you come join us right. type thing. Yeah, I mean, that's why they, they put it out there as a religion not just a group of people. It's it's a religion. Okay. So, okay. I get yeah, um, I get you. Oh boy. So lots of cool things we see throughout this. So we we get to see Nick Nolte in it as an Ugnaught named Cool. I yeah. And Wow. Nick Nolte. <laughs> I just I have to say we've seen the Ugnaughts before throwing our C three PO's head around like a football. Uh, and that's like the only time I ever <laughs> ever remember seeing them was on Cloud City or in Cloud City. Um, you see it here, and obviously the makeup has to be much better because it's a big speaking role. But I'm looking at it, and it's just wow. It, there's makeup, puppetry, and some CG just to add some extra touches. It's done so well. Mm-hmm. They 
they it's, really it's did a amazing. great job. And at one point I stopped and said, why does he look so weird? And it's because I had to realize it's because I feel like I'm looking at a, at a real living creature. Some creature I've never seen before. Right. So that's that kind of blew me away. And I think that's a big thing that Favreau wanted to do here was make sure that it, it had the same kind of feel. It wasn't overly produced with CG because that's what, in, in I think all of our opinions, <laughs> ruined the the prequel trilogy was the excessive amount of CG added to every single scene. It doesn't just ruin the it doesn't just ruin the prequels tr- trilogy. It ruins uh, the original trilogy after Lucas got I know. done with them. When they rebooted it, it was pretty bad. Well, they rebooted it a bunch, like ninety-seven. It was horrible. Is when they first rebooted it and added all. If I don't know, I don't know if you remember, but I remember <laughs> in ninety-six or ninety-seven when I saw I saw New Hope. Me too, ninety-seven. In the and the first thing, and when you and when you're when you're making your way to port, when. Oh, Luke I know. And, and they added and, and uh, the droids are making their way to port, and they added it, what an entire it, scene oh. of all this goofiness. Well, Jawas hanging entire... from this big beast. Yeah, the part that ruined that ruined it for me is at the very end of Jedi. Oh, Anakin with Anakin. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Hayden In Kirk the original, said. that was that guy's no. only scene, his only claim to fame <laughs> for Star Wars. <laughs> Now he's cut out of it. <laughs> My, I, I can, I can top it. I can top it. It's when they added in Jaja screaming Misa oh. free at nope. the end of Jedi. It's when they made Darth Vader said no, no, as he throws the Empire Emperor down the hole. <laughs> we could go on for days. <laughs> they added it somewhere else, though. Well, you know what's funny? I mean. I want to talk about Sith for a second. There's actually a part that was cut out, and you can see it if you watch it right, that they changed it, where Anakin is actually saying, save me, instead of, I hate you. Really? Yeah. What? So it it changes the whole feel of like, it. If You you can you, watch a video about it. I've, are you huh? lip-reading this? Are you lip-reading lip-reading? this? No. I, I was watching a video about I mean, it, and it was actually... They said that was a part that was in there, but they never actually put it out anywhere. But he says, save me. And then he's like, I tried, but blah, blah, blah. But they cut that out, so it all just made him just like, I hate you, get away from me. And he's like, you my brother, Anakin, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, like he actually reached out and said, save me. Could you imagine if that actually made it to, like, theatrical? (laughs) Save I know. Me. Can you imagine how we would look at Obi-Wan right now? Oh, I know. That's why they changed it. Yeah. That's why they changed it. Good, good crazy. Good call. Good call. But yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I watched we were that like brothers Anakin. <laughs> <laughs> no, he says save me. He's like, I tried, but it's you know, it's too late now. Right. But yeah. anyway. Well. Um <laughs> We get introduced to the Blurg, which is basically just a j- big T-Rex tadpole. Mm-hmm. Learns how to ride it. They go through this whole, like, you know, learn how to ride the horse, break the horse in, rides off into the sunset. <laughs> you know? It's cool because the Blurgs were first introduced in the Ewok adventures. Um, some people don't know that that exists. It's, um, they're probably as bad as the holiday special, or almost. I have them on DVD up here. They're pretty great. Battle for Endor and the the other one. Um, the Ewok Adventures. Oh, dude, yeah. Oh, God. 
It's okay. like wickets in it. Warwick Davis, you know, the leprechaun. Uh, and it's like these kids and this family, and it's it's really goofy. But hey, my daughters loved it. It was like watching a really, really, really bad version of uh, Muppets. What's that? Mu- oh, the Dark Crystal. Is that the one I'm thinking about? <laughs> it's like Muppets on steroids. Oh God! No, it's no, it's like Muppets on meth. <laughs> What's crazy is what's Jimmy, the guy who created the Muppets. Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy Henson. Henson actually helped. <laughs> create the the puppetry for the original Star oh, yeah. Wars. Yeah, he yeah. did. So it fits. Yeah. Yoda. Sense. Yoda. Well, mm. Frank Oz. Kermie. <laughs> <laughs> My little green frog you are. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we see him right off there, get this, and he starts ta- He talked about the mythosaur, which is cool. So the insignia that we've always seen for Boba Fett is actually the skull of a mythosaur, um, but cool, Quill, whatever, he's cool, he's pretty cool. Um, he basically says that the Mandalorians used to ride the great mythosaur. So, I'm like, okay, all right, so I'm wondering if that's going to pop up at some point where he finds a mythosaur and starts riding it off into the sunset like this blurg. I don't know, we'll see. Those were my thoughts, those were my thoughts exactly. Yeah, I think it's going to pop back up. You know, they're talking about, like, he's, I feel like they're making this to be, like, you know, he's going to really bring back the Mandalorian religion, like, people. Hmm. You know, pull it back out of well, the ashes. he finds so, help. Yeah. So this guy will be to the Mandalorian like Luke is to the Jedi. Um, I think it's, well, we don't know what's going to happen with this Rise of Skywalker. So I think it's more not so much Luke is to the Jedi, but Rey is to the Jedi. Rey, yeah, right. Yeah. Unless will it will it be that because you have Boba Fett, does he have any descendants that he'll meet up with this years later? That's what I'm. We'll see. I guess that's what I was saying earlier. I think that it might pop up. We'll have some kind of reference to the Fets. I mean, why not? Only thing we've known about Mandalorians in the movies, is, is anyway, has been just the Fets. Right. So, we'll see. I think that's the thing right there. I don't think we'll get any reference to Boba or Jango Fett because it's essentially just a clone. Yeah. Like that that is a that it it's a it's a clone and then it turns into, you know, an imperial army. That's entirely different from a religion that you can just, you know, oh, sign I know. up and join. But I the like thing is that the, I'm saying like, we were introduced to Mandalorian or Mandalore based on these two characters that we saw or we'll say right from the beginning, they will say this character we saw in Empire, um, mm-hmm. Boba Fett. So why would they not have some kind of like quick little nod to where it started, at least to give us some interest well, into the character? In reference to Django and Boba weren't the clones. The clones were created off of them. Well, no, the clone was created off of Django. Boba the clone was, a clone was created, too. Th- that, and that's that's my contention. The clone is created off of Django, and then you get Boba Fett, and you have... Right. What I'm mm-hmm. guessing becomes stormtroopers, I, right? It's well, heavy, uh, it's no, 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 in no. Clone words. It's That's actually different. Implied in Clone Wars that they became stormtroopers. Yeah, I thought that up until That's most what's going recently. On. I'm firmly still on the side that that's exactly what's going on. I don't. It, it, it doesn't matter. My point is, I don't understand 
Because what is Boba Fett? He's, he's a, a guy hunter. that got eaten. He's a guy. No, he's a guy that got eaten. The only reason why he's so popular is because that armor is cool looking. That's the only reason in, in, in Star Wars history why that character was as popular as he was. Well, dude, I want the Mandalorian to be something completely different. You, you don't need right. to, you know, dip into the well and reference Boba Fett at all. I, I, I'm yeah. just, I'm not a fan of that idea. I think it would be cheap. Well, even if they say some guy who stole my armor, blah, 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 I, his name is Boba something, got eaten by a Sarlacc, like, that's all they have to say is some kind of reference to it so they can acknowledge that it existed. Okay. I'm not saying there has to be some big thing like, oh, man, Boba Fett was like this, this crazy general who was so cool. I'm not saying that at all. I'm like, just some kind of reference nod is all I'm looking for. Anyway. Okay. Um... You know what I think is my favorite part about this episode, aside from like the obvious, oh my god. We'll get there. We see it we finally see an IG unit. I've been waiting mm-hmm. to see IG eighty eight in action since I first played uh Star Wars Shadows of the Empire on N sixty four. And hmm. like that was like the most crazy level. You got this robot who's jumping around after you, like trying to take you out. You're Dash Rendar, some other bounty hunter type dude. And you got this crazy robot that is giving you major anxiety. And I'm like, I would love to see this character in action in a movie where I don't have to feel afraid. <laughs> right. So to see another character come in there, IG-11, um, it made me wonder for a while what happened to our IG-88 I've done a. I've done some research to figure it out. I didn't see clips, but apparently IG-88 was following Boba Fett to Cloud City, and Boba Fett took him out. Huh. And and the scene where you see the Ugnaughts throwing C-3PO's head around, you see a dead IG-88, like totally deactivated, just sitting there in the pile of garbage. Oh wow. I have yeah. to watch it again now just for that scene. Me too. I, I didn't have, I haven't had a chance to watch it again just to find that. But you see him just sitting there. But I wanted to see if there were other parts, but I, I haven't had a chance to look. But apparently that's in there. So IG-11. Okay, so we had the 88, and then we have an 11 still around. So, hmm. okay. We get to see him out there, and he's doing this. Uh, <laughs> go, go ahead, Chuck. I'll, I'll let you take the IG scene. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are going to both hate this because you ripped apart a great movie, in my opinion. <laughs> um, but this droid is a cleric from <laughs> Equilibrium. Oh, he God. knows the gun kata. Every move, every shot he takes is straight out of Equilibrium. Yeah. It's, it's cool. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to laugh because I was talking to Lee about he sent me over a link to listen to your podcast for the Equilibrium, and I actually like the movie. And I was like, "Don't ruin it for me." Really? <laughs> let me let me ask different you a movie, but when when is the first time you saw it? The first time I saw it, yeah, uh, like a the year it came out. The year, and you and to you, it still holds up today. Not as. One of my favorite movies to watch. If I was like, oh, I want to watch a great movie, I'll watch it. But if I want to watch a Class B movie at 10.30 at night, I'll pop it on. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I would put it on at 10.30 at night, too, so I can finally go to sleep. 
Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Granted, there are some major holes in the movie. There are some major holes in the movie. (laughs) But it's still, for me, it's just just straight for action. And I liked it. Oh, boy. We'll we'll talk about that another time. I mean, (laughs) hey, it's, it's great. It's great for action. I'm just saying, like, if you listen to it, I kind of went on a little rant about the fire at the end that was just ridiculous. Like you, you're making this giant budget movie, and you you, you can't even afford fake smoke. You can afford fake fire, but you can't afford fake smoke at the end of this thing. Come on, it just giant holes. I agree. <laughs> it's like they, it's like they just gave up. You're like, oh yeah, so. Eh. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, but back to IG11. So I IG11, okay. it was awesome. No, it was it was a really cool scene. I was enjoying it. I especially like that it wanted to self-destruct. That's a really good feature <laughs> for That's a really good feature for a droid to have. I don't think I was, I've ever seen this. I'll I'll be honest, I was actually a little confused at how easily he was ready to self-destruct. Like he kept on doing it and it it became like the running joke. He's like self-destruct now? Going to self-destruct now. Okay, you tried. I'm going to self-destruct now. <laughs> Yeah, because like, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming I'm assuming that this thing is calculating the odds and it's not taking it's not taking uh, human intervening into consideration. Right. It's 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 baseline calculating odds. And when you do that, it's like, no, we, we there's there's no way we can't do this. Uh, Taika Waititi did the voice. He's the guy who directed Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Very goofy guy. And I, I thought I can... his he, he clearly just wanted to be a part of this and had fun with it. I forgot who which of my friends said it. Probably, was it you, Chuck? What? That we should have had um, Mr. Feeney. <laughs> Mr. Feeney's voice would have been great. That was me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, yeah, you, because you told me that, Lee. Yeah. Yeah, I, I said Feeney. that I was like I was like how is it that we're, we're getting all this I actually think I said hopefully at some point we get Mr. Feeney voicing a droid and the only reason why I said that and I don't even remember I don't even remember what part of this t- television show that I saw that made me think that but the first thing that I thought of for some reason was the Trans Am from Knight Rider oh yeah the kit that's that's the whole yeah, reason so Dave, why that, David that Daniels into my head. I, I think he's still alive I mean he, why couldn't they exactly and he should. You know, it, I think that would have been really cool. But whatever. I think they what what they did worked out well. So <laughs> the self-destruct thing, he goes out there, he takes this cannon and just takes everybody out in this totally epic just like slowly floating around taking everybody out. It was great. And then, you know, the IG unit's like, "Oh, good job. <laughs> that was actually pretty good." I'm going to stop my self-destruct now. <laughs> hey, we got to open this door. They turn, they look. How are they going to open the door? Well, that cannon seemed to do a pretty good job. The weird part I saw is the IG-11 was getting pelted by blasters the whole time. Oh, yeah. And then when they finally break in through the door, one shot kills them. Uh, well, yeah. Well, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was kind of weird. One shot to the head. I guess point blank shot to the right part of the head might do it. Then again, we've seen what his gun can do. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. <laughs> but we go in there, the life forms in there. I mean, the whole point of this is they're going after the bounty, you know, which 
The guy's like, you know, dead or alive. And the guy's like, no, he said alive. Okay, well, dead or alive. Let's see why there's like this big conflict about it. And we see that this life form is over in this tiny little area. And my first thought was exactly <laughs> what it ended up being. There is, for lack of a better term, a Yoda baby. Yep. Yoda baby. And my last statement about this is John Favreau is the man. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, well, it's not a baby, though. It's, it's not, 50, well, I mean, compared to 900 year old. He's 50 years old versus 900 year old Yoda. So, in right. terms of that, yes, but I mean, still 50 years old. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> it's still in. Hmm. If you look at it, it's not like he's he's full on Yoda. Like he's a baby. He was even giggling like a baby. Like, <laughs> well, that's a little. That's something else. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's basically a baby Yoda. We've never been told, and so this is what opened the whole thing up for me. There is not a single piece of Star Wars literature or filmography, or anything that ever actually gets into detail about where Yoda really came from, or anything about his race. We know that he has a last name. That's about it. Lehu. I never knew that. Yeah. Yoda Lehu. We know that, we know that there's a... There's a, a... Is it his sister? Yaddle. Yaddle that sat on the council. Yeah, so to get that. they never actually explained who Yaddle is either. Uh, so my quick little thing that kind of hit me today, so we just watched this episode again. I, I've watched it three times already. Is maybe this little baby Yoda is the child of Yoda and Yaddle? Uh, okay. And they call this one Yodaddle. Okay. This 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 episode. Totally won me over, right off the bat. It sucked me in. So, yeah, I would have to say the that. same. Um, the way that I felt coming out of this episode, uh, and even more so with the second episode, I'm just really, really excited for where it goes. I'm excited to learn more about the Mandalorian as a whole. I'm excited to find out exactly what the purpose for a baby Yoda is, and mm-hmm. I'm just. I'm very disappointed with <laughs> the uh, the two full the two full features that have been released within the past few years for yeah. you know the the Star Wars franchise. I mean, within an hour, I am more captivated by a television show than mm. I am with you know Force is she isn't she yeah <laughs> is the, is she isn't she what's going like it's ridiculous and it shouldn't right. be that way it should kind of be the other way around but i mean big budget hollywood got their greedy hands on star wars and here we go and it's weird that i don't know it's weird that i feel attached to something that is so disney yeah is, 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 no, I, mean, I, agree. That, I know that's a weird thing to say. It's just, it's really weird. But they're doing, I mean, excellent job so far. I, I yeah. have very little complaints about this. And getting into the whole Baby Yoda thing, we don't know enough yet to even, you know, begin to speculate. But I mean, and we'll talk more about it, a little bit more about it in the second episode. 
Um, since we don't know a whole lot about Yoda and the Yoda race, mm-hmm. my only I, I and I have a theory, and this is just a theory that I'm throwing out there. Um, I'm kind of of the opinion that the Force kind of wills this species into existence mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. I mean, from what we know about, from very little lore about what we know about Yoda and, and his race and his home planet and whatever it is, they're very sensitive to the light side of the Force for whatever oh, reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I picked up on, and there's no other explanation. Well, I mean, let's get, if we're talking about this and we're going to get into it, let's get into it. Because we're going to talk about both the first two episodes right now anyway. So, mm-hmm. I mean, after all this happens, you know, we go into this episode to the child, and he's just kind of traveling back with his new little friend, you know. Uh, I'm going to call him B.Y., you know, Baby Yoda. Um, they're attacked by a gang of Trandoshans, you know, basically Bosk. And they were, like, eyeing him in the first episode anyway when he was in the bar uh, mm-hmm. talking to Grief Karga, or Grief Karga, uh, basically Apollo Creed. I'm sorry, you can call him whatever you want to call him, but he's always going to Apollo to me. Um, so you find out at this point that there are a ton of people still tracking BY. The word is out to kill this thing. Oh, yeah. There's there, there's no <clears throat> other reason. I mean, I know I know initially it was, you know, dead or alive. No, there are I'm fully of the opinion that there, there was only are, one person you know, saying dead or that was saying alive. Everybody else was saying dead. Right. I'm of the opinion that this thing needs to be killed. Like the universe wants this thing dead for obvious reasons. Well, that poses a question to me then. Cuz if you're looking at Force Awakens and Last Jedi. There's no mention of Yoda or any part of his race in that. So in this writing, which is post-Empire and pre-First Order, does he actually survive then? So this is what brings me to a point that I was thinking about. You're bringing up something that the past few days I've been saying, you know what? This came out just now. I wonder if it's going to tie into something with the Rise of Skywalker. See, I don't think it is. I don't think it Mm. is. And here's why. You have... So, the Empire falls, right? And Luke is doing his thing out there. It Mm -hmm. is really implausible to me that Luke would leave this entity alone. If he knew. If they if they thought, no, no, but see, that's my thing. I don't think that they're thinking about it. That's my thing. I don't think that Disney gave this two thoughts. Really? I think right now what we're talking about, I don't think Disney gave it a thought at all. Because for why? It's not like, this is before Luke goes into seclusion. Luke is the, the, the last of the Jedi. Why would he leave this special species, this special entity that is clearly incredibly Force-sensitive for being the equivalent to a toddler? Why would he just leave that out there to to fend for itself? I I don't know. Well, Luke right now is technically on an island. Well, Luke is dead. Luke, yeah, now. (laughs) And and dead. Yeah, I know. Dead, now he's Force Luke. I'm talking about when this is going on. 
the empire just falls lucas partying with the ewoks and within five years i i mean what is he doing within five years of that he's on an island he ran away which Tra- is where you find him well he was training other jedi he was training yeah, other Jedi, Jedi yeah. but he wasn't he wasn't secluded on an island within five years of the Empire falling, was he? Well, we don't know that, do he we? He was training people on that island. That that or that that planet. He was on that island planet. Training people. That was an old Jedi temple. So that's where he kind of moved everything to. That's why it was showing all that stuff with Kylo Ren or Ben Solo, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, we can we can guess and speculate all we want, but I mean, we'll see. Time will tell. I mean, it's only going to be next month. We'll find out if this has any tie-in into it. But I was just saying, how cool would that be if there was some kind of reference to this show? You know, for me, I was telling people, they're like, oh, you know, I'll just wait until until the whole thing is done and I'll binge watch it and I'll just get my free month of, you know, Disney Plus or whatever and binge watch it. I'm like, yeah, but if you watch Rise of, the, Rise of Skywalker, what if this has some kind of relation to it? And they're like, oh, no, you're right. All right, well, it looks like I'm paying for Disney+. Plus, <laughs> So, whatever. I mean, we'll see. Um, I have to say, the second episode, I love the first episode. It was a great way to start and lead into it. You get the characters, everything kind of starts off, and then a really cool ending, like, you know, big jaw drop, baby Yoda, okay, cool, and then IG-11 doing his, his stuff. But I felt like I had so much fun with episode two, mm-hmm. The Child. Um... Mainly because we get to see a bunch of Jawas. And okay. the Jawas, you, you see them, you know, here and there throughout the other, well, pretty much mostly just A New Hope. You don't really see them much else after that. You pretty much only see them on Tatooine. But here we see them on another planet, similar to Tatooine, so we know that they kind of like desert-type planets. Um, or is it Tatooine? There was one Jawa partying on Jabba. Um, Jabba's ship. Yeah, Jabba's Palace. Yeah, Jabba's right. Palace ship. There was like one party in there with like just drinking. Which would time. make sense because Jabba lived on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I mean, we, we don't even know what planet this is that he's on. It could be Tatooine. I don't know. I doubt it. Well, I mean, we saw the Ugnaught there. Cool. He had he had a moisture farm. He had the evaporators so, and everything out on his farm. He was farming. Baby Yoda is magically on the same planet where Luke is from. Uh, in this I don't know. giant galaxy. I don't know. Okay. Maybe, maybe not. But the, the, here's the other thing. We see the Jawas, and the Jawas have red eyes. The Jawas see, didn't have the, red eyes. They had they had yellow eyes. So I'm wondering if this is a different race or ethnicity of Jawas. Possibly. I lean more and in that direction I mean, than this being Tatooine. Yeah. That's kind of where I was. I was just trying okay. to humor Chuck here. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so he gets back. He sees his ship is totally wrecked. You know, the jaw was destroyed it. He chases down their sound cr- sand crawler after he, like, obliterates people with his really cool gun that just, like, disintegrates them. Right. You know, one shot, and they're just, like, toast. He chases them down and then proceeds to Batman walk up the side. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're going old school Adam West Batman. I really You know, grappling that. hook up to the top. And I'm like, this is great. And they're throwing really everything they can scene. at him. And it was so... They, they had, like, Indiana Jones feel to it. They had, like, train robbery feel to it. Oh, Lots yeah. of really great elements of old film chasing after the sand crawler. 
I love how desperate and, the situation got. It, I mean, it gets to the point where they're like, they're beating on, they're like, they have this metal object and they're beating on the gun that's on the side of the ship just to get oh, him yeah. away from them. It's great. I mean, oh yeah, what Terrific. a concept. And then he, they think he falls and then he, he totally Batman grabs them. They look over the edge and he just yanks them off like yeah. Batman. Just like, nope, done. And I, I, I couldn't help but love how many little references to some of my favorite other movies was in this. Mm-hmm. Just this one little shot. That's why I thought this was like the most fun episode for me, just because of that one scene. But they get he finally gets up to the top, and they're all standing there, and they all shoot him. And he just goes limp and falls off. It's it's definitely really humorous the way he just goes doop done yep. <laughs> and falls <laughs> off after all of that. <laughs> just done. So gets down there, looks at his ship, it's unflyable, all the weapons are gone, so he goes to see his buddy Cool, who's still there. Long walk in the sunset, beautiful desert yeah. walking shot. Oh, yeah. wicked, wicked New Hope feeling. The whole gorgeous. the whole episode was New Hope feeling. Yeah, definitely. Even the scopes and their guns gave it that New Hope feeling. Oh yeah, even that that in episode one where he's looking around, and he sees that blurg. It was basically mm-hmm. a, a, a like a total same thing that we saw when Luke was looking around and and the sand person popped up in right. front of him. You know, it was just the blurg. So I like how they did that to really give you that feel. And the technology you see throughout all of this is very New Hope. So I love it. Um, <laughs> original New Hope, not reboot New Hope. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, definitely original New Hope. So we get a Jawa yard sale, you know, that they're like you going through o- all the stuff and figuring it all out. You skipped over. And you skipped What's over that? something pretty important. You skipped over something pretty important. Oh, baby um, Leota likes to eat frogs. Yeah. No, 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 no. Even before <laughs> that. Um, we have we have the Mandalorian. We have our main character, and he is repairing himself, healing himself, repairing oh, his true. armor, yeah. trying to kind of, you know, patch up his wounds. And we have Yoda, baby Yoda, continuously trying to what I'm guessing to is to heal him. Force heal him, yeah. It, it, it was amazing. So, yeah. how does, I mean... Is How's he respond? Just, he just picks up, get back in that crib. Exactly. <laughs> How does he respond? Get back. I don't need your help. Get away from me. What are you going to do? It was mm. great. It was yeah. so great. I just wanted to throw yeah, that I mean, out there. I want to throw out there how cute Baby Yoda is. <laughs> he's like he's like a he's a little Mogwai, a little this Yoda is, Mogwai. He is this little baby Yoda is a marketing genius because this is gonna sell so many plushies and toys. It's gonna oh. be ridiculous. Christmas, this yes. thing is gonna be through the roof. Yep. You, you remember how oh. popular B, um, BB-8 was when when that first? I mean, this is this is on that level. This is gonna be ridiculous. Oh, definitely. Well, it's just like they have Elf on the shelf. They're going to have Yoda on your shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Baby Yoda on the shoulder. They'll have Yoda bubble ears. But that's a that's a good point. Yeah, Baby Yoda. I can't keep discrediting Baby Yoda and how cool <coughs> it is in here. Uh, Baby Yoda likes to eat frogs. Whole frogs. That's cool. Yeah, whole, whole frogs just like <laughs> swallows it whole and then just and then giggles. <laughs> little cute oh little God. giggle. I mean, whatever. This... This baby Yoda can get a bunch of grown men to go, oh, he's so cute. <laughs> but 
All right, so we got the Jawa Yard sale. Um, time to make a trade. They want some of his armor. They want this. They want that. They want the Yoda. He's like, no. What do you want? Uh, Zuga. They want the egg. Okay. <laughs> How arrogant. How arrogant isn't. Like, yeah, we stole your stuff. Now go get us more stuff so we can give you your stuff back. <laughs> oh, well. Come on, whatever. man. The, the, yeah. No, I love it. It it, it, it fits <laughs> with, with the situation that's going on. It's just like... I don't know what I would do in that situation. Like, you stole my stuff, and now you want me to go get you more stuff? All right, fine. An egg? Well, you know what? He has The other choice he has to sh- is to shoot them all. Yeah. Kill all of them. We've seen no. it. We've seen yeah, this. Yeah, I know that, but... Yeah, but... A- Anakin? Eh. <laughs> younglings? Yeah. Okay. No, not, no, oh, not the, the younglings. The, yeah, the sand <laughs> yeah. people. Yeah, well, they didn't kill his mother. They just took his his <laughs> ship parts. Anyway, um, <laughs> the one thing about, so about these Jawas, they're basically the minions. <laughs> Since we see so much and we hear so much Jawa talk, all I thought the entire time was was like you know ba 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 na you know like ba ba na na. They they like like upa ha ha ha. You know, they're being wicked minion-like the entire time. Right. And they do say the infamous word a few times in the show, Which too. one do they say? Mutini! Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mutini. <laughs> you hear it in the background, though. It's not like a foreground. Yeah, it's not, it's not right out there. Yeah. But. <laughs> I was waiting for so it. So we see that. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the most common Jawa term that we've all remembered from, because we've heard it, like, times before but anyway the only Jawa term we all remember I guess <laughs> um well I think from when I think about the the um Ewoks I think nuka nuka nuna but one thing I thought was great was he, we've got the Mandalorian trying to speak Jawa and you've never heard anybody else try to speak Jawa. <laughs> and they laugh at him and says, Ah, oh, you speak terrible Jawa. Uh, terrible Jawa. You sound like a Wookiee. <laughs> and they start laughing at him and just, and just like ripping on him. And it's like, wow. It's so funny that these little goofy creatures who, uh, you know, whatever they are, whatever they they're do. Not little, they're not little goofy creatures. They're little goofy jerks. Yeah, steal, they are. Steal, steal, steal my stuff, and now you make fun of me for trying to communicate with you. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I, I thought it was well, great. That's their MO, is it? They steal everything and then just resell it. I yeah. Know. I know. I mean, mm-hmm. R2-D2, C-3PO, they were stolen and resold. <laughs> they basically say they want this egg, right? Mm-hmm. They go up, and or he goes up there, gets ready to go. Now, just before he goes into this cave, which is basically, it's like... <laughs> It's it's the Earth's butthole, or this planet's was, butt. That's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, this thing looks like a giant gaping anus. Like th- that's the only thing that I could imagine. I'm not really sure yeah, what that says like, about what's me, but here? it's wow, wow. Well, now that I think about it, it makes sense that the creature that lives in there probably made it himself with his big, big horn. Yeah, and that's why it had those ridges that looked like like yep. a butt. Yep. But anyway. He goes in there, puts his little flashlight on. Now, before he goes in, he does something that's very simple, 
But for me, it was kind of a, a nod to Iron Man. Okay, he checks see, all of his weapons. See, for you, it was a nod to Iron Man. When he turns on the flashlight on the side of his helmet, I got a wicked, oh my god, why do things escape me? I got a wicked Predator vibe. Oh yeah, no, 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 I'm talking about before that. Um, before, so, oh, okay. when he first is, he's first about to walk in there, he checks his knife, he checks his wrist guards, he checks this, he checks that, and he's like moving all of his, all of his armor, and mm-hmm. it looked very much like Iron Man's armor would automatically move, but he was manually doing it. Just like when he was rebuilding his ship. Right. Very right. Iron Man. Oh yeah, when he, when they well have too. the they have the montage for the rebuilding the ship. Yeah, wicked Iron Man feel to it. I loved it. Uh, but yeah, when he goes in there, thanks for saying Predator because when he was inside with the flashlight, I was like, it looks like something, but I can't figure out what it is. It's totally Predator. It was absolutely. That's exactly Predator. what I was thinking. That's exactly yeah. yeah. But I get the I get the Iron Man thing too, and it makes sense because John Favreau. <laughs> Favreau, yeah, exactly, and. It just, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I love Iron Man. So he goes in there, gets, <laughs> looks around, and then we've got this uh, cataract eye that opens up and, and looks at him, or tries to look at him, I guess, and then he just gets totally tossed out. This is what makes me realize at this point, I'm like, this guy is just not good at handling creatures. No. He's like, horrible. he's great at shooting people and doing this and that, but when animals are involved, he just... Gets his butt handed to him. Pretty much. The Blurg? Yeah, the Blurgs. Well, the first one he comes involved with, which is attacks his ship, he just shocks it. Yeah. That's his only successful interaction with an animal. Well, whatever. He's not doing great with those things. But then you get this big mud horn thing that comes out and starts attacking him. And this scene was just like, wow. He's like... He's really not doing well here. <laughs> he can take a he's, lot of punishment. He's done. He can absolutely yeah. take a lot of punishment. I'll give him that. I felt like at this point his chest plate was totally destroyed. Oh, yeah. You know, like he was fixing it before in the other scene, but now it's like, okay, I'm pretty sure you need a new one. And we never really knew what that did. Like he was like fixing it and everything, but like what's what does his chest plate have for, you know, Okay, so weapons? he does something, no he, and, he, and he does something really interesting here. He like... So he can control, you know, baby Yoda's, you know, little crib thing uh, at yep. will. And he very quickly moves it to the side when the Mudhorn spots him. And mm-hmm. it brought up a question. And I really, I really hope that this is addressed. Why? What is compelling him to protect this thing? I think that's the whole point of the show is that he has some kind of humanity. Really? Where he's protecting this young. Yeah. I yeah. think it's the force. I was okay. going to say the Force. Well, yeah. I absolutely think it's the Force. Okay. I mean, I'm not I mean, saying that's, that that's, he, I'm that's not... the obvious Star Wars answer to it, but <laughs> what's compelling this? Well, the answer is always the Force if we're talking about Star Wars. Well, but, I only yeah. say that because it's a baby Yoda. I mean, if there, I mean, look, mm-hmm. there were there were morally righteous characters inside of Rogue One, and I didn't for a second think that the Force was compelling them to do anything. Here we have yeah, baby a Yoda mythical... wasn't around. Here we have, exactly, here we have a mythical creature that is insanely Force-sensitive, and then all of a sudden, this Mandalorian, this hired gun, feels compelled to to help it. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. it's it, it, Maybe it is the clear and obvious answer. The Force. Maybe it is. Well, so I mean, what? he's helping it, but the thing is, he's, he could also, you could also look at it like he just wants the bigger bounty. 
Damn, you know, he said it's, it's a lot more if it's alive. Huh. So, I huh. mean, we could look at it and say that he's protecting it because he wants to protect it, which I think will be the ultimate ending of this, you know, right. that he will protect it. But I think right now he's thinking for two reasons. One, uh, I can get a lot more money, which I'd like money, uh, if this thing is still alive when I bring it back. Or I could, uh, you know, not. <laughs> So then that poses an ultimate question, though, here, is when the Mudhorn is charging at Baby Yoda. Yeah, and he moves him out of the way. Well, he throws the tracker device that Baby Yoda is drawn to, that the crib itself is drawn to. I didn't throw it. He just controlled it with his thing. Well, that's what I'm saying. He, yeah. However he does it, he does it. Why couldn't Yoda force move himself out of the way? Because we didn't realize that was a thing yet. Until thirty seconds later. Until thirty seconds later. <laughs> I kinda get I kinda get what he's asking and why he's asking it. I think I um I mean because Yoda does it to him. No, I'm I'm yeah. of the opinion that this baby Yoda really is taking a second to catch on that this is a dangerous situation. I mean, for a little right. while there he kinda has a confused look on his face, like he really doesn't understand what's going on. And then right. only when, you know, the Mandalorian is on the ground and just ready to be pummeled, then he does something. Oh, yeah. I mean, the situations before that, you know, the Mandalorian was kind of bouncing around, doing his thing, getting getting pretty knocked around, but still getting back up and continuously trying. Now we're, we're in a dire situation where something has to be done. And finally, I think mm-hmm. that's when Baby Yoda recognizes that something has to be done. All the times before that, it was very, "What do I do? What's going on? I don't know." It was a, it was a lot of confusion on his face. That's that's my that's my opinion of right. what was going yeah. on in that moment. What I did appreciate with this part, though, is you kind of see it a little bit in Empire, but you see when you're getting used to using the Force, what a toll it takes on your body when you actually use it. Yeah. Right. Because even Luke in Empire kind of gets worn out trying to raise his X-Wing. Right. But not to this degree where it knocks him out for hours. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what John Favreau did that was well. He he took out some small parts of the Star Wars universe and magnified it, but not too much where it overwhelmed the show, but just enough where you're like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, right, absolutely. Right. So... <laughs> He's he's getting damaged, and we see the Mudhorns, like, about to take him out, like, completely. And then Yoda does his cool thing. You, you see the Mudhorns slow down and, like, struggle, and then you look back, and there's Yoda, or baby Yoda, with his little, his little, <laughs> little, little digits there, holding his hand up, and just I, pulling this thing up in the air. I was so ready for John Williams. Yeah. I was ready. I was so ready for if John Williams if if that music hit right here, I would have lost my mind. Star Wars theme? Yeah. yeah uh, it yeah. should have happened. It should have happened. <laughs> if it's going to happen and I can't imagine something of that not happening, like a mm. remix, something like something score nod towards John Williams. I can't imagine that not happening in this show. I'm it's surprised it, I'm really surprised it wasn't. But it it should have happened here. Like this is the moment. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's exactly. just me. But it, if it did, oh. For me, watching this scene, I was half expecting at some point something to happen before it did, and then it did happen. 
the cool thing for me is even though it did happen after 30 years of Star Wars, I still got that like, this is amazing feel. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, I like how they put it all together. I don't know. I think it just, so. it's, it's a, it's a testament to how well the show like slowly built to this moment. Exactly. I mean, it's only two episodes in. It's the end of the second episode. And yeah, we're going to see this happen, that happen throughout. Exactly. And if they're doing, doing just, so well to grab people the way they're doing it right now, but not just shoving it in your face, I'm really excited to see what the rest of the series is going to bring. Absolutely. I mean, if it really wanted to, if it really wanted to do that, it would have like jumped off with like, here we go, here we are, and now magic. Like that could have happened right, in the first right. five minutes of this thing, but instead it happens at the end of the second episode. That's what I mean by slow build. It was very exactly. well done. It in in exactly. the perfect moment. It just the way that it was executed was fabulous. I really yeah. enjoyed it. It was awesome. This was a this was yeah. an amazing moment. It's a moment I'm not going to forget in television. That's for sure. Right. My thing would be hats off to John Favreau for this entire thing. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. So speaking of execution, this is the moment where basically the mudhorn gets dropped. He stabs him in the head, grabs the egg, and hey, success. Let's go back. Gives the egg to the Jawas. They slice open their hairy egg oh and enjoy the insides. It, it, is it the Wonder Mop egg? Is the Wonder honey? Mop egg. What is that stuff? It, is it honey? It's yolk. It's yolk? It's an egg. Okay. It's yolk? They're eating the egg. Ugh. Yeah. It looked like it looked like mustard honey. Yeah, honey mustard. They really <laughs> like their honey mustard. That just was they, like the reason why they really wanted that egg so bad was they ate a bunch of chicken earlier, it's just, and they were it's like, just, "Man, I wish we had some honey mustard to finish off this flavor." Oh, I just. But it, hey, they were so pumped about that, and it's so funny because the Mandalorian just looks and like, "Are you kidding me? I just got really? this egg for you guys to slice it open and just like make a mess of it." I almost died. <laughs> What's the matter with you? <laughs> uh, exactly. Exactly. What's the matter with them? That's my whole point. Like, come on. Like, oh, I just don't like them. All of that stuff was worth one little egg or one big egg. The big egg. Big hairy you're gonna, egg. You're going to, you're going to, yeah, exactly. All of the parts <laughs> to this ship that you stole from me, it's worth egg yolk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sure. I'm running with it. Which the the funniest part for me, which I just thought of this now after replaying the scene in my mind, is when he's taking off, all I can think of is I was like, what does this scene remind me of? If you go back, it's Star Wars version of the Grinch. <laughs> he has the sleigh with his giant pack oh, the- <laughs> of all his gifts on the back of it. And this little... <laughs> dog creature pulling him along (laughs) (laughs) and he's off to mount crumpet to dump it yeah okay so yeah it it was kind of funny like he got all of his parts back and they're on this the sled that they're bringing back they go into this cool little you know montage about building it again he's like oh it's gonna take forever it's like yeah especially if you don't give me a hand like saying hey i'm really good at this stuff which makes sense um they set it up, and basically they he says they they both say their goodbyes. Now, in the first episode and here, basically the Mandalorian keeps offering this guy money, 
and offering him a job and and stuff like that. And Cool's like, no, I'm all set, man. I'm good. I'm good. Mm. And he says this one line I loved. He goes, I've worked a lifetime to finally be free of servitude. You know, and you and you think it's like, yeah, well, when he was just like with the other Ugnots, all he was doing was like working in the scrapyard, serving other people, serving other people. Now he's got all this freedom. And he's just so happy that this baby Yoda's not on his planet anymore to finally get the bounty hunters away. That's why he was helping him in the first place. He goes, I just want people to leave me alone and I get off my line. planet. I took this line differently. Really? Yeah. I think we're going to get a okay. little bit more of this as the show goes on, but I took that line differently. I worked a lifetime to finally be free of servitude. Yeah. I took that line to coming from him being I was a servant of the empire and now I'm finally right. free and uh-huh. I did some things that might not really be g- great and might paint me in the worst of light I'm going to do this favor for you and other people that I meet to help like that, that's how that's how I took that line Right right So do you think we'll see him again I think we will. Yeah, absolutely. Could could these two be like a Luke and Obi Wan relationship? You think the older with the younger no. kind of help each other out? If Lee's theory about why uh, the Mandalorian is helping Baby Yoda and it's about like a humanity thing, I could see that. Yeah, I could see. Okay. I I could see. You know, <laughs> I could see this character really being like somewhat of of a grounding. Mm. Or maybe he goes back to retire. Or maybe yeah. he goes back to learn how to be human and forgive and forget and live in peace and do something that's greater than himself. I could absolutely see that. I think what's great about this two episodes so far is for the first time in a long time with a TV series, we don't know what to expect. Right. right. Yeah. Well, I mean... Right, it could go multiple different directions in this situation right now. Yeah, the possibility. Because the character actually... we don't know. I mean, as far as a show that's tied into a, you know, much bigger story we know from movies, we don't really know where it's going to go in that sense. And the reason, and we talked about it before, the reason why we don't know where it's going to go is because we don't know much about the Mandalorian and what exactly happened to whatever order this is, and we know nothing about, you know, what it is to be a baby Yoda or even the race of whatever Yoda is. So there's no, there's very little room for any kind of speculation there. Right. And I think it's great. I mean, it's just, it's the unknown. I absolutely agree with that. I like not knowing. Yep. I like, you know. Well, that's that's take, what I liked about The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, because I'm like, we're finally getting stories of things we don't know where it's going to end up. Like, we knew where Han was going to end up when we watched Solo. We knew where all these people were going to end up when we watched Rogue One. You know, dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and and same thing with, like, the prequel trilogy. We knew where all it was all going to end up. But when The Force Awakens came out, we're like, where's this going to go? And they made this whole thing like, oh, who are her parents? You know, and then Last Jedi comes in. Who are her parents? Uh, it's a big joke. They're all, they're just, you know, they were drunks who sold you for drinking money. It's like, oh, thanks, Ryan Johnson. I don't know. All I'm saying is I'm really pumped about The Mandalorian. It's making me less um, worried about The Rise of Skywalker. Because at least I know I like this show. <laughs> It's making me more worried about the rise of Skywalker. Why? Because at this point right now, the rise of Skywalker can fail and they have this to fall back on. Right. 
that's why. Oh, so you think like you, you thinking that they just don't care? Think about it. How much? Think, well, okay, uh, look yeah. at it from a business standpoint. How much money is the monthly subscription to Disney Plus going to bring to Disney because of this show? Versus how much money is the Rise of Skywalker going to take in in the first week, which is all that really matters. Yeah, that's why. No, I I I get that. They can they but. can they can do. I mean, they've had production problems on that movie going on for a while now. At this point, depending on how this first month goes, they 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 could just drop the ball and say, you know what, we really don't care. Just slap this together and get it out there. That way, we can be done with it. I can absolutely see that happening. Yeah, I just I hope they don't. I hope they don't. But either, my thing but is I, like, if they if they do, at least the Mandalorian's good, and I'm not going to be disappointed. With that's Star what Wars I mean. They, there is yes, yes to theory. fall back on, and, that's and, their plan. and it go, it goes both ways. I mean, Disney could absolutely fumble with the Last Jedi, and it's okay on both ends. It's okay for them because they have this, and it's okay for the fans because we have the Mandalorian. So I mean, in one way. I'm more skeptical that that movie's going to be any good. And on the other yeah. hand, I really don't care anymore. Like, it's... That's my point. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't... I'm not, like, anxious about it. Like, oh, they better end this well. Because I'm like, eh, they didn't really start this trilogy. I'd like to see a good ending. Oh, I'd love to see a great ending. We'd all like to see it. But at this point, I'm like, if it stinks... I'm, I'm not... I'm... I'm not optimistic that we're going to get a good ending at all. Yeah. I'm just not. Like, the direction that they're going, and now, I mean, they had to bring back in JJ, and uh, they canceled a trilogy, and it's just, it, it. they wanted a cash cow. They didn't know how to treat it. No one over there really knows what they're doing with this property. And the saving grace now is a lifelong fan that's making a TV show. Like, it's just, yeah. it's it's a mess, and it was a mess from the jump. Well, they like, should have brought Kevin Feige in. I, <laughs> see, now that's, <laughs> that's my, see, I can't say that because that's my advice to DC. Yeah. Like, my advice to DC is you need one central guy to take the helm and control over everything, and they didn't right. do that. No. They did. They didn't do that, and Disney is not going to do that. With with start at least not right now. If they have any brains, they won't do it right now. I just I don't know. My love for Star Wars died a long time ago, when um when I saw the Last Jedi, and it's not a knock to anybody who who enjoys those movies. If people out there enjoy those two movies for what they are, you know, God bless. You know, I'm happy for you. But for me, neither one of those were for me, and they killed my enjoyment of everything Star Wars. And now I have a really great, fun television show that I could watch that kind of revitalized that a little bit for me. I guess for me, there's been one character that has made it into almost every Star Wars movie out there. And it would be great if at some point they brought him into this movie, into this show. Anthony Daniels, C-3PO, has been in every Star Wars film since A New Hope. Yep. And if you could make it into this episode, these episodes, that would just complete it for me. I support that. Anyway, uh, it's been great talking about this. Uh, thanks, Chuck, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I'm really excited to 
see what this show brings. Uh, I'm glad that we're going in this direction right now to focus on this for this time, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to going on different things. And I, I really look forward to having some more talks. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, we're going to see this show through. For, we're going to see this through through with this, this irony. We'll be back oh, next yeah, week for totally. episode three. <laughs> yes. Uh, so thanks everybody for listening. Um, we have spoken.